again, when you reach a certain age, you want to read about people you can relate to. And there are very few people out there writing fiction that focus on older people and their own situations and their own needs and fears and 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 choice make you know choices. Hi, I'm Cindy Coaches. I'm a writer. It's what I do. I'm also the host of Pen to Paper Press Podcast. Today, I am speaking with Barb Purcells. I have known Barb for a very, very long time. And as a matter of fact, when I published Elements for a Healthier Life digital magazine, she was one of my contributing writers. Uh, she has been blogging for a very long time. As a matter of fact, she's got two blog posts that she maintains on a weekly basis. And also she has written several and published several books. So I'm gonna hand over <laughs> the conversation to Barbara. And Barbara, real quick, tell us the titles of your book, your, your blog posts. Tell us about you. <laughs> well, let's do the let's do the books and the blogs first. Um uh, actually, the first blog I ever wrote was back in 2000, I want to say 2009, but I could be wrong um, without my notes in front of me. Uh, and it's called, it was a whimsical thing. It was a dare. Some friends dared me to do it. And it's called Flower Bear's Garden Growing a Life. And the content, my, my um, supposed audience are older people, specifically older women, over 50, really over 60, who are at a point in their lives where, you know, the, the children have gone, um, the spouse may or may not be in the picture, uh, the job is done, and they are faced with, you know, thanks to <laughs> modern healthcare, you know, many more years ahead of them. And the question is, what do I do now? And for those of us who didn't just want to like, you know, go down to Florida and play golf and, and cards all day, uh, <laughs> not that that's a bad thing for anyone who loves that. I, you know, <laughs> More power to them. <laughs> yeah, right. But who want to, you know, want to now we have all these years in front of us. We yes. can do anything. Yes. So um, when somebody suggested somebody who knew me, uh, I, I previously worked in marketing, public relations, um, advertising so I had done like magazine articles and, and things and they said um, you should do a blog on that subject from gardening and find a correlation in everyday life so like planting seeds nurturing harvesting those kinds of things and relate them to our everyday lives when it came time for a name uh, my friends teased me and they came up with the name flower bear uh, one because um, I garden and mm -hmm. two because I collect teddy bears. So Flower Bear became a reality. And if you go on to um, her page, I, she, she like exists in her own dimension. Um, <laughs> Flower Bear's page on Facebook or the, um, the actual blog, you'll see a, a picture of a teddy bear, um, <laughs> one of many, uh, who is my avatar. So the kids tell me. 
Um, and so that's the first one, Flower Bear's Garden Growing Alive. And then several years ago, I think it's worked to five now, five years ago, um, I started something called Writing a Life. Because mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that words have power mm -hmm. and that they have even more power when you see them on a page staring up at you. So why not find ways to create your life on paper? Write it out, see it, feel it, um, say it. Um, it becomes more real to you and it acts as a motivation. And it's a place where you can, uh, I do little weekly assignments, writing assignments, mm -hmm. uh, uh, joy, five things that bring you joy every day, five things you're grateful for. Um, if you could be anywhere, where would you be? If you could do anything and money was no object, what would you do? What did you always want to do? And, and talk yourself out of it or someone else did. You know, these are the kinds of things I'll write about um, that uh, anything is possible, especially over 60. You know, we, we have a wealth of experience and knowledge and wisdom and, you know, let's use it. Let's, let's use it. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. The books, <laughs> The books, um, there was a, the first book was called Staying Rooted, uh, which was a compilation of um, articles from Flower Bear's Garden, uh, one for every month of the year. So I followed the gardening calendar and used those as, as acronyms and, and examples rather for. Mm -hmm. uh, I had just had to have just had to pull that off because I found some um, uh, some errors in the publishing. So that's going to come out in a new edition soon, I hope. Um, the other three are what I call my third age trilogy. Um, I, I use the term third age rather than senior citizen or, you know, elder or anything like that. Um, first age is our childhood. Second age is our adulthood. Third age is anything we want it to be. So yeah. they're, yeah. they're standalone books, but taken together, they're a trilogy. And the first one is called Song of an Extraordinary Life, Creating a New Soundtrack for Our Third Age. And being, being the baby boomer generation, music played a big part, you know, 60s and 70s, all that stuff. <laughs> and so we use, we use song titles as, as um, subjects for the oh, essays. Second one is called Second Chances, uh, Lessons and Wisdom from a Life Well Lived. Mm -hmm. And that's just experience of things I've learned, you know, along the way. And the third book is called Gift of an Extraordinary Life. What if just being happy is enough? I like that. And I gave, it was, it was, I had read Gretchen Rubin's book, The Happiness Project. Okay. And so what I did was I gave myself 90 days, which is about the time it takes to establish new habits. And I set about separating different stages of my life, different pieces of my life, where I live, how I took care of my health. Who, what my relationships were, what my passions were. And I gave myself 90 days to set new habits and new goals because my end goal was, I just want to be happy. I just want to be content and that's enough. I don't need to make a million dollars. I don't need to have a bestseller. I just want to be happy. And so that was the third one. And that was my favorite out of all of them, I think. <laughs> and currently I'm working on, I want to say it's my first novel, but it's not because I have others that I've started that are in boxes under my desk. <laughs> I have I, <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to write, I've wanted to write fiction since I was five. 
the first time I realized that, you know, books didn't just appear out of nowhere, that people actually sat down and wrote them. And I've wanted to do that all my life. So I played with that in between uh, working in public relations. I worked for a short time as a reporter and a feature writer for a daily newspaper. Um, but fiction was always my first love. So I've returned to that older, wiser, hopefully. <laughs> I love that. Hopefully wiser. Hopefully. Oh. And Barbie um, <laughs> wise. And then <laughs> and this, I, I find that all those years when all the writing advice I got, everyone said, write from what you know, find your voice. And yeah. that's, that's what this is about. I, yeah, this, that's what my character is doing. She's reached a woman of a certain age who is looking for her tribe in her voice. And I feel her. I feel her when I write her. You know, so that's, and that's, about. that's one thing that um, I've been in, in working on a, on a certain project is how well do we know our characters and how do we know them? Meaning, do we, when we're writing them, do we, you know, do we mentally see them? Are we actually talking with them and asking them, you know, what is the story you want me to tell? Show me, you know, or do people just kind of feel like they're making it up? And, and that is something that I really would love to explore um, through this podcast is, you know, what is your experience when you're sitting down with you know, when it's you, your, your preferred writing, you know, whether it's by, I know people who hand write out their books and then, you know, have somebody type it or, you know, sitting down at the, at the laptop and, and just pecking away at the keys and, um, you know, how, what is their experience for them? I, you know, do they just make it up to the way they want it to end? Right. This particular book came to me, believe it or not, in a dream, uh, which is, I, I can't explain it. You know, I, I just, when I have an urge, you know, I call it my little inner ding, it speaks to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I, when I don't know what else to do, when I'm between projects and I'm just, I, I need to do something, but I don't know what it is. You know, I lift it up in prayer and I just wait for the ding to go off. And I woke up one morning um, with the basic storyline in my head. And um, when I write fiction, it's like I'm watching a movie. I see if I'm describing an area. A lot of the times I use places I've actually been yeah. or people I actually know, you know, the old, the old, um, uh, we've changed the names and of the characters to protect the innocent kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Oh, am I dating myself? That's like from Dragnet TV show. Um, yeah, well, but, you but, don't know yourself because I'm really familiar with that. So, <laughs> um, no, I um, so I use use places I've been that have uh, had impact on me, mm -hmm. uh, or not a specific person, but a kind of person yeah. that has has affected me one way or the other, positively or negatively. Um, I write from my own experience. You know, if I were somebody my age who wanted to read a book about somebody my age, what would I want to say? How, what, who, what would she say? Yeah. You know, what would her friends say? What would her family be like? What, 
you know, I mean, my main character is 65 years old. She's retired. She lives in a studio apartment with her cats. Hello. Biographical, <laughs> <laughs> except for a few things. Um, but I'll describe a, a, a path in a forest, a hiking path. And I, I have been in this forest. So I describe it what I smelled and what I heard and the sound of the crunching of the leaves under my feet. It's all a movie. It just grows in front of me in my, in my mind. And I'm just, it's like I'm taking dictation until I come to a part when I am forcing her to say or do something or somebody else to say or do something that doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like it would come from them. And I know that's my ego trying to saying, oh, if you do this, this hokey thing, it'll sell more books. <laughs> when, when next to me on the on my desk is is a sign that i have I, I put these little signs all over my desks for um positive energy the quote next to me on the desk says when you do work from your soul the critics won't hurt you and it's a comment it's, uh, uh from paul i can never pronounce his name paolo coelho the writer that wrote the alchemist yeah uh, which was a wonderful book um, yeah, I don't, I cannot write some dialogue or situations that feel phony to me. Yeah. Uh, I write the way people speak, mm -hmm. I say things, I have a sense of humor. So I, you know, I inject that into some of the, um, some of the dialogue, not my own and some of the others. Um, I live with cats. Well, one at present, but it used to be multiple. Um, she lives with cats and she talks to them and they react to her. Um, that's in the book because it's real. People do that. People yeah. absolutely do that. And I don't want to read something that sounds so phony and so, you should pardon the phrase, hallmarky. Yes. When I, you know what I mean? It. I don't, life isn't picture perfect. No. And that's the way I prefer to write. Well, and, and yeah, I do as well. And it, it's like the, the soul's journey book that I'm writing right now, it, it doesn't have a happy ending. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the biggest hurdles for me to get over was because I kept holding out on, you know, starting to get back into writing that book because I was waiting for that happy ending. Well, you know what, this is real life. My son is not going to come back. He's not, if he walks through the door, I'll be really shocked. <laughs> um, I would actually be quite terrified because, you know, anyways, that's, that's for those who read the book, they'll understand my statement there. But yeah, there's, you know, not everybody, um, there is an audience for those that want the happy endings at the, the, the end of the story, at the end of the, the television show. You know, we all want that patient that's on, on the ER table to, to pull through from the whatever, whatever, you know, yeah. procedure. And you know what? That's not life. You know, it's not everybody survives it. And and yeah, we want to be able to relate to it. And I think that's what we're craving more and more as a society is, is we want to be able to say, oh, I recognize that. Oh, yeah. you know what? She survived it. I can too. Okay. Yeah. That's, 
that's why that's why that's another reason why I went into writing fiction for older readers. What I called my third, I'm calling this uh, stories in my third uh, stories in my third age novel series is what I'm calling it. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to open. I mean, go, go, well, when we're allowed to go back into bookstores to browse, um, <laughs> you know, you browse to browse that, you know, and and they're all thirty or forty something heroines, and 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 strapping young bad boys, and and you know, it's it, it, there's no who can relate to that, who can relate to that unless you're you're willing to read Agatha Christie or or uh, some of the older novelists like over and over and over again, when you reach a certain age, you wanna read about people you can relate to. And there are very few people out there writing fiction that focus on older people and their own situations and their own needs and fears and, and, and choice make, you know, choices right. that they have to make uh, because now there's nobody for them to I remember when I first moved up here, um, I had for the first time in my life, nobody that I was responsible for. I had nobody, no children that I had to take care of, no husband, no job. It was just me. Yeah. And after the honeymoon portion was over, I was terrified. Mm. I was absolutely, I said, what have I done and what am I going to do? Because I challenged myself to do something that I had never done before. Yeah. So those those are the things I want to write about. And those are the things that people my age are now looking at. And especially now, especially with, with what's going on with the virus and, and older people being like the primary um, uh, victims of it. Um, it makes you take a second and a third look at the years you have left in front of you. And what do you want to do with them? And what's important and what isn't? So those are the topics that I want to include um, for people who are looking for those answers. And you're not going to get it, you know, in your traditional fiction, at least it, in my opinion, anyway. And if there is someone else out there writing this, I apologize. And please let me know because I'd love to read it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you want to be proven that, you know, yeah, that young strapping man in that book is, you know, exactly what you want to read. <laughs> that cover, I just keep right on going because I know it's going to be inside. <laughs> so, well, and like you said, you know, life is not predictable and we're not, we're not living a cookie cutter life. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of books do kind of follow that pattern. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was what are some of your most useful writing tools? What, what are you, what do you use? What do you do? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do the voodoo that you do? <laughs> um. I have to say that the number one tool that I have picked up over the last 15 or more years has been meditation. That is my absolutely number one. And I know a lot of people would put journaling up there. That's my number two. Mm -hmm. But um, meditation helps me 
clear the cobwebs out and focus on the present moment. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my great favorite teachers of all time, Louise Hay, one of her affirmations is, um, my power rests in the present moment. That's where your power is. So um, I try and get centered. I try and let go of, oh, what do I have to do today? Oh, I didn't do that yesterday. Oh, I really should clean the apartment today. Oh, I, you know, just gone. Just breathe. And I, sometimes I'll use um, uh, guided meditations, like mm -hmm. on gratitude or one for inner strength. And sometimes I'll just sit and I'll put on something that maybe it's waves at the ocean or uh, birds or <laughs> it's winter now. So right now it's the sound of a crackling fireplace. Um, <laughs> and I'll just breathe, mm -hmm. just breathe. And if the hamster gets on the wheel and starts running, I just pull myself back. I use mantras. Uh, I you always use a mantra um, because that's my anchor. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, when I'm done meditating, I journal. And it could be anything from, well, it's cold out today and I'm making lasagna tonight. Um, and you know, that kind of thing. Or um, like, wow, I'm having so much trouble getting on the page today. I'm, I don't know what's going on. Um, I just have this funny, I mean, I'll just, I'll just pour my heart out. I'll just, I will leave it all on the page. Right. Yeah. Every came up during meditation, I will leave it all on the journal page and then close the book, get my coffee. Well, I would have fed the cat before I did any of this. Otherwise I wouldn't have been allowed to do those things. <laughs> <laughs> She's very demanding. And, uh, and then, you know, after my, my smoothie and my coffee and I sit down and right now it's editing, which I hate to do. It's editing and rewrite, but as Elizabeth Wilbert says, I did my job. I showed up at the page. It's up to my muse to supply the rest. Right. I don't mind. Maybe I'm that really weird duck out there. Um, I don't mind the editing process. For me, what, because when I'm writing, I don't always pay attention because I'm it's it's just streaming out of me I don't always mm -hmm. pay attention to timelines when I'm doing fictional writing and so sometimes I'll have you know like spring happen then winter happen then summer happen you right. know so things kind of get out of sync because I'm I'm just pouring the information on the page it's one I've got to go back through and put everything back into chronological order. <laughs> that's the part that's like, oh my God, what was I, what was, and it's, and I was going to say, what was I thinking? But I, that's the key. I was not thinking. I right. was simply pouring it out onto the page. And, but for me, as far as editing, I actually, I find that's, what I'm doing is is embellishing and really fine tuning mm -hmm. what I've already put down on paper. And it's it for me, it's almost easier to edit than it is to write. Yeah, I get surprised myself. Um, I let some time lapse between a first draft and the first what I call the first rewrite or edit. Yeah, uh, to get a little distance from it. And sometimes I'll sit down and I'll write, I'll look at it and I'll say, wow, you wrote that? Where did that come from? Yeah, I know. Isn't that yeah. great? <laughs> and 
And um, other times it will be, but you know, you said that already back in chapter four. Don't, you know. Yeah. We, we having a little memory problem here? Go back and make notes. Um, and then as I, as you and I have discussed uh, at another occasion, halfway through the book, I changed the direction of the book was going to go. There was an underlying theme. Yeah. That was going to be, and, and as it, as it started to play out, I felt like it wasn't, it was hokey. It was a gimmick. And I went back and I said, no, that's, that's something somebody would do to sell a book. I, I want, I want truth in this. I want people to feel this. I believe it. Yes. So I went back as I'm doing the rewrite, I'm like changing the whole direction. I have not written the last chapter. I've left that to the end of the rewrite because then I'll know what the last chapter should be. I surprised myself that the last rewrite will be for the, you know, dotting all the T's and I's and, and crossing the T's. That's right. what that was, tightening up and things like that. In, you know, if you're doing like a memoir, obviously, you know what the ending is because you're living it. But if you're writing a non-fictional um, storyline, holding back on that last chapter and maybe having an idea of where it's going, but not actually putting it on paper, you know, that really leaves that, I was going to say door, but it's more like barn door. You're leaving the barn door yeah. wide open for whatever possibility that, that transpires when you go back through to, to, to rewrite the, you know, the beginning in, in the center. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, not to give the story away, but I'm asking my character to do something that's outside her comfort zone. Yeah. Something that she's never done before because she's doing it for herself. And it's and, and, and all of a sudden she's got these decisions to make and this, these choices to make. And they're scary. They're scary, you know. I mean, sometimes we hold on to the familiar because it's even if we don't like it, because at least we know what to expect. It's pretty when you put stuff out there, you could get hurt, you know. And uh, so I, that's why I left it open. You know, she's she's got to she's got to decide what she wants to do and how she wants to do it. I love that. I you know you said you had uh, at the beginning you mentioned that you had a. a you have a book under your desk. Well, for the longest time, I, when I had my home, I had a box and it was one of those that you buy uh, reams of paper in. Yes. And, and I had my, my novel in that and it was underneath the pool table because it was out of the way. And I had been tempted, the pool table was next to my wood stove. And I always thought, you know what? someday I'm just going to burn it because it, it, it's a book that, you know, I finished and I just, it will never say daylight. It'll never see a printing press unless I do a massive rewrite because it's one of those that, like you said, I, I wrote it with this intention. And then there's this like, you know, screeching breaks and it's like, oh, wait, wait, no, no, I'm going to go this direction. And then it's like another set of screeching breaks. No, 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 we're not going that way. We're going to go this way. <laughs> so the book kind of does this whole, I'm trying to remember how long it took me to write it. It was definitely over a year, um, yeah. probably a couple of years, but I would set it down, pick it back up, set it down, pick it back up. So each time I picked it up, I'm a different person picking it mm -hmm. back up. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And so trying to get into the, well, not trying to get into, maintaining the consistent writing, you know, is, is definitely a key element and making sure that we kind of sort of maybe possibly at the end of writing this 80,000 word page or 80,000 word book that we kind of sort of have the same voice at the end or at least the same you know direction but anyway minor, minor in two boxes that file file yeah file folders come in oh yeah yeah like for the stationery store uh-huh um and the majority of it is by hand so there are the handwritten notebooks oh, some wow. of it typed i started typing it um i won't tell you how many years ago it was but you know wow um and i had it was my first crack at fiction. My first love has always been mysteries. And I've always been drawn to uh, the English, British murder mysteries. Agatha Christie to me is a queen. Anyway, um, I had help with this one because at the time I had a roommate who was from England uh, and I'm, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Anglophile. Um, and she was, she's very critical. And, and I, she was exactly who I needed. In fact, I just talked to her the other night. She's moved back to um, England. And um, she was the one who said, when you walked in, when Christy described a room, you saw it. You know, tell me what kind of rug is on the floor? You know, what kind of lamps are, are in the room? Are they lit or are they not lit? Are the curtains pulled open or closed? Is it sunny out? These were the things that she taught me. Mm -hmm. We met, by the way, we met working in a bookstore, so that shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's it's a mystery. And hopefully, in my mind, I have the first three books in the fiction series uh, already, you know, I know what I'm going to write about for the first three books, and that's one of them. So I'm going to bring it out of mothballs and, and inject it <laughs> in the series somewhere. I'm not sure where, probably the last book, because it's a very long one, but we'll see. We'll see. I leave all possibilities open. Yes. Leave the possibilities open. I love that. You know, and and I'm trying to remember you and I had spoke the other day and you had come up with I wrote it down and of course now I'm looking for it. Which one was it? <laughs> I gave you three. No, it was a well, you we were we were talking about um, how can you write from your heart if your head is busy yelling at you? That's where I meditation. love that quote. And That's where meditation comes in. Yeah, you got to get you've got to just clear the room. I that's I I think of it that way. It's like you are clearing the room. You're shutting off the phone. You're turning off the tablets. You're you know whatever you want to call it. You're clearing the room. I like that. You can't room. hear your heart. You can't hear your heart. You can't write from your heart if your mind is telling you, oh, don't write that. That's silly. Nobody's going to believe that. Or nobody's going to like that. Yeah. Or, you know, that isn't any good. You can't. I open, I point to the window. Um, Louise Hay also used to say whenever she had a negative thought, she would yell, I should point to the window and yell, out, get out. Oh. <laughs> so, that's what I tell my bad thought. I give it a name. She's got a name. Um, I won't tell you her name. You'll think I'm crazy. 
I'll say, get out. Come on. I'm writing. Bye. Well, and the other thing is, is, you know, you can't be creative if your mind is consumed with how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to, you know, what's for dinner? What am I, what am I going to do when so-and-so calls? Or how do I take care of this task? When your mind is looped on answering other questions, you know, you cannot open your heart when your mind is, you know, you got the monkey mind running around with a pair of scissors going, woohoo, you know, yeah, exactly running with scissors, running um, with scissors, <laughs> you know, in my case, in my case, um, I was doing okay with, as I say, with like nonfiction and advertising and journalism, that kind of stuff. But the fiction had to wait until I was at a point where, you know, I was on my own. And, and, you know, I'm retired. I have a small income. I live in a studio apartment. My bills are very small and I can devote my time to writing fiction. Uh, not everybody can do that. I know people who, in fact, there's a young lady I know through my church who uh, works a job mm -hmm. and writes, you know, when the kids go to bed. Yes. Or she'll get up early before the kids wake up and put in an hour. Uh, you know how many writers started that way? Millions. J.K. Rowling started that way. Oh, her story is is phenomenal. It, it, yes, I know, I know. And and you know that's you. Stephen King used to write at his kitchen table on a on a sometimes on a breadboard or something that he had his typewriter on. You know that's how we start. That's you. you if you want to write bad enough, you find the time. You find the time. Well, it's it's like one of those daily habits, like brushing our teeth. Mm -hmm. It's putting forth. If you want to do it, the thing is, though, is the writer's mind is always looking for something. And I find myself like taking notes. I've been out in public and find myself uh, people watching. You know, and I'll write down, you know, what I observe. And so then I've got all these scraps of paper. And of course, they end up in a journal somewhere. But if the writer's mind is always wanting to sit down and write, and, yeah. it, and it's us that holds it back. And yeah. because we feel obligated to do everything else. I, I, I bless the day that my... My granddaughter showed me how to use notebook on my phone. Oh, yes. Because I could be somewhere. And, you know, I mean, there was a time when I never left the house without a notebook and pen in my purse. Oh, I always have paper and pen with me. Always. Well, I mean, I usually do too. But, you know, sometimes if I'm just running to the corner store or, you know, I just grab my wallet and my phone I don't take. Mm -hmm. And I'll see something. Or I'll think of something or something will pop into my mind. That's, oh, man, how am I going to remember that till I get home? Whip out the phone, get in the notebook, write it down. And then when I come home, put it. I, I keep between quotes and things that pop into my head. I must have five notebooks filled with stuff. One of these days, I promised myself I was going to sit down and organize them. Mm -hmm. by category, you know, but yeah. That's a long time in the future. Right now, I just, but that's, yeah, yeah, all the time. I'll, some, I'll hear something on TV, or as I shared with you the other day, I was watching an interview with somebody on a totally different subject, and she said something, and I went, oh, I got to write that down. I have to tell Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
No, that was the that was the one the Elizabeth Lesser one I I mentioned before. When women are the storytellers, the human story changes. Yes. Yeah, you know, that blew my mind. Yeah. And so I, you know what I mean. That that's it's that kind of thing. We we don't we don't stop writing. We don't mm -hmm. absolutely. I'm washing dishes the other day, and I went, ah, "What if my character did this? What if she didn't do that, but she did this?" I'm mean, it's washing dishes, you know. You know that you want to know when that happens to me the most is when I'm one either in the shower or two driving down the road. Ah, uh, I I got to where the book that ended up under the pool table <laughs> when when I would get stuck and and I couldn't you know like okay so I could see this happening and that happening but yet I couldn't figure out how to get to the other side of it you know I just needed the connecting elements. I found myself going for a drive and I would be talking to the, I, I would be just talking to nobody in the vehicle, but I would be talking to the character going, okay, what am I missing? What do I need? You know, what, how can I move this forward? And, um, and then, you know, nothing would come, but then I would just keep driving and all of a sudden it was like, oh, yes thank you pull over and write <laughs> yeah um there was uh the the road that i used to take from where when i first moved up here i was living way up in the boonies mm -hmm. and then when the jobs dried up in that area i had to commute south to uh, a bigger area where there were more jobs uh, and that was when i first moved up here until i got my footing so i was doing whatever i could do and um there is a point on the road where it went around a curve and I saw the mountains behind the village where I live, where I was living. Wow. Came into view. The trees kind of opened up and there it was laying. And it was like at that moment, everything that had happened during the day in the office and with other people and it was gone. And it was just this vista of, and that's as soon as, as soon as I let go of everything that had been holding me back all day and, and troubling me all day. And then as soon as I got home, you know, I mean, the notebook came out and da, 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 da. And I thought of this and. Yeah. Sometimes you just got, you, you just got to find a way to. I can dump the trash. You know what I mean? Just get, <laughs> not that it's always trash. Sometimes it's important, but sometimes you just got to put it outside for a while. Um, there's a spiritual teacher that I love to watch uh, his channel. He's, his name is Muji, M-O-O-J-I. I, he's an adorable man. And um, uh, he says when, when he's, he's talking about uh, like meditating or learning something, or he said, you know, you've got to be willing to leave your baggage at the door. Right. If you're going to come into this room, take off your shoes and leave your baggage at the door and sit down and be where you are, be present. Yes. I, I love that, that visual, you know, of just yes. leaving the baggage at the door and you can pick it up on your way out. But for right now, for this minute, this is what's important. This is where we are. Right. I like that. So to, to wrap this up, um, what is, what is one pearl of wisdom that you would love to share? I love that you laugh and giggle. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I'm just so full of wisdom. Let's see, what can I pick? Um, <laughs> um, don't let anybody tell you you can't. Do what you can. I'm trying to remember who said this first. I heard it from Bob Dooley, who writes notes for the universe, which by the way are historical. But he heard it from somebody else. That might've been Confucius. Do what you can with what you have from where you are. Yes. So, you know, if all you've got right now is a notebook and some pencils and an hour, do it. Yes. You'll feel you know, better. All you've got and tomorrow find another hour or 20 minutes or whatever. Just do it. Just show up at, just show up on the page. Yes. Yes. I like that. Well, Barb, I just thank you. Thank you for this. I, well, I, I, always, I am honored. No, you're so welcome. I always love spending my time with you. <laughs> we learn so much from each other too. Oh. oh yeah. Well, that's what life's about. It is. It is. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. Before we end our time together, I'd like to say thanks for joining us. If this podcast resonated with you, be sure to share it and leave a comment on episode number one at pentapaperpress.com. Take care and until next time, know that your words have power and your story matters.